You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, getting exercise is important for your health, but that doesn't mean it can't be fun. I feel like I'm a little kid when I'm here. That's it. I smile, I laugh. And we hear from Rochester native Maya Shaka, the first black woman referee in the NFL. I'm West Side. <laughs> West Side to not die for, you know, for Rochester. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full-service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at rocvox.com. It's March, which means, statistically, some of us have already been slacking on those New Year's resolutions. One of the most infamous is to improve fitness. Many people start off the year in the gym, but eventually find an excuse to quit. Maybe it's one more thing to juggle into a busy schedule, or maybe it's just boredom. But my colleague Raquel Steven found some programs that aim to keep people having fun while they try to stay active. She has this story. Over at the YMCA in Gates, they say if it can be done on land, it can be done in water. And that includes Zumba. Zumba is a fitness program inspired by Latin dance. Sue Rogers has been taking Aqua Zumba at the Y for almost two years now. She says it's her favorite activity. The music is fun, the moves are fun, and you know, it's, it's just a, a really fun way to work out. <laughs> and for 82-year-old Gina Senti, salsa dancing in the water helps with her arthritis, but most importantly, makes her feel young again. I feel like I'm a little kid when I'm here. That's it. I smile, I laugh. Senti also says it's easier for her to move in the water. This is in part due to the modifications that Zumba instructor Shelly Hansel makes to accommodate what she calls the aquified version. For example, salsa is salsa forward, salsa back. We would do it half that tempo so that you have a bigger move and you're able to do it in the water. So they're basically slower moves, but that doesn't mean you're not working hard. <laughs> Hensel says you can expect to feel the burn as soon as you get out of the pool, specifically in your arms, legs, and core. She says the key is moving to the beat. It's a trick that Keisha Brumfield uses in her hip-hop step aerobics class, too. Hip-hop music for us, for our, our culture, it, it kind of always motivates you. It always gets you up. It always gets you going. Brumfield teaches one of her favorite group sessions every Thursday at Fitbrand facility in Rochester. So that, for that hour, you're not thinking about for dinner or the kids or homework or none of that. You in here and you taking care of yourself. It's something that you're doing for yourself and it's fun. Brumfield says on a good night, she can have up to 60 women in her class and they all leave feeling the same way. Be dying. I'm dying now. I'm dying, but I'm going to feel good later. 26-year-old Kamika Robertson says seeing the results is addicting. You may not see it right now, but I lost 15 pounds at one point. That's why I had to come back. But if you're looking for a side of sass while getting fit, 
you might want to trade in your sneakers for stilettos. I add the sensuality to the um, fitness training. They could bring their heels, which helps them feel sexy. Vicious Vixen studio owner Marlena Jones teaches pole fitness. And yes, it's what it sounds like. Jones says the pole has been synonymous with exotic dancing and sensuality for years. But the fitness aspect of the technique is becoming more popular. You literally using your like whole body when you train for pole, like using your whole body, mind, body and soul. From the placement of your arms to the strides in your walk, pole fitness will tone your muscles and strengthen your core all while getting in your cardio for the day, she says. Jones also says the best part of pole fitness is... It's very fun to learn. Raquel Steven is a health reporter for WXXI News. Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI, and if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. That's me. On the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News. Over the 2021-2022 season, Maya Shaka made history as the first black woman to be hired as an on-field official for the NFL. Before that, she was a basketball player at Edison Tech in Rochester, hoping to make it into the WNBA. Good evening. Good evening. How are we? You need me to go on landscape? Um, you know what? It My colleague matter. April Franklin um, talked to so Shaka we'll over Zoom from, about her rookie season and how her Rochester um, roots so helped shape her career. So, yes, yeah, so Maya, you just completed your first um, season here as the first Black woman NFL referee. Just tell me about how the season has been and, and what your experience has been like for your rookie season. Wow. Uh, a lot of growing pains is, is what I would say. Um, no, but I had a, a really solid rookie season and, you know, the reviews and things that I received, I, I guess I surpassed expectations. I took on all challenges. There was a lot of preparation, you know, a lot of support from the crew I was working with, which I think is important. They put me with a, a great mix of guys who were just willing to teach me. And, you know, there were some times where, you know, I had to, you know, just like anyone, if you, if anyone who has brothers, you have to let them know that you're not just a little sister and you're there and you have a voice. And, you know, I was with a group of guys who allowed me to do that. They allowed me to, you know, you know, get bucked with them, you know, for lack of better terms and just take it for what it was and then let me grow from there. So um, I, I think that was just great, you know, and being able to communicate with coaches and players, you know, stepping on the field each week and then having players come up to me, you know, and let me know that they were happy that, I would, that I'm on the field because they have moms and they have daughters and the importance of my representation. I think that, you know, just having their support made me feel more comfortable in that home. You know, we I feel like a lot of times we always talk about the first this, the first that um, the mm -hmm. NFL, um, their first black referee was in 1965. They didn't get a woman ref until 
2015 and then you in 2021 as the first Black woman. It took a very long time for those first to happen, but what ways do you think the, the league can do a better job in creating pipelines of opportunity for, for more diversity? Well, I, I, I don't think the responsibility is just all on the league. The responsibility also falls on us who are in these positions there. Like, what are we doing to make sure that we're strengthening our profession, right? And providing those extra opportunities for women and making sure that these women are qualified and they're being looked at. I think for me, it was difficult because there wasn't anyone ahead of me. Like, this is a path that I really had to pave on my own, you know, other than one other woman who was in front of me and we came in the program together. So I think it really falls on our shoulders to go back and recruit. You know, now that we do have representation out there, people can see that it is a possibility that they can be involved in football, even though that they didn't play. You know, we do have some women who have played tackle football, but in my case, I didn't play. I just had a love for officiating and a love for the game. You sound like you've had like very strong roots as, as far as what people may have instilled in you. What side of town did you grow up on? Like what street did you, neighborhood did you grow up in? So I, I was actually born, born on Frost Avenue, like right uh, in between uh, Epworth and Jefferson. So Genesee and Jefferson. So like one of the roughest blocks is like where I was born. Um, but, you know, my parents having the bookstore on Genesee Street and myself going to the Boys and Girls Club all throughout middle school, which is right there in Genesee Street. So I'm West Side, <laughs> West Side till I die for, you know, for Rochester. But, you know, that's where I grew up, you know, 500 Genesee Street. You know, I grew up on Rosen Street. I grew up on Frost Avenue, you know, but I went to Edison because I didn't want to go to Wilson, you know, because I want to go somewhere different, you know, outside of what my neighborhood is. I want to go to where the girls are actually hooping and playing basketball, you know, that was the reason why I chose to go to Edison, you know, outside of my home zone. So the transition from basketball to football, you mentioned that you you had a love for officiating. Tell me about that journey. Wow. So that's a, that's different because I just always had a passion for athletics. And I think that stems back from, you know, just being in the Boys and Girls Club. That was like my first job working in the gym there. And so while I'm as an undergrad at Norfolk State, and I really realized that I'm not going to make any money as a women's professional basketball player. You know, I decided to look at working as a gym attendant as part of my work study. You know, my job was really to hire and to monitor like the officials that we got to, you know, work on these intramural games. You know, so I developed these relationships with them where I would trash talk a referee. You know, it's all in fun and games. So one guy said, well, if you really think you can, you can be better than me, why don't you do it? And I said, all right, bet I'll do it. You know, so my journey was to set out to be a basketball referee or a basketball official first, because that's what my comfort zone was. Um, but the training classes to be a football official happened before. And I had a coworker talk me into doing football before basketball. And he says, there aren't any women that are doing football and you'd be perfect because you're an athlete. You understand the game. You're confident. Try it. And the person who gave me my opportunity was someone who didn't look like me. You know, to a white male, which is the last person you think would be supportive of you coming into a predominantly white male advocation, you know, so he taught me into breaking that barrier. Well, one more question. What do you, I guess, look forward to um, next season and what do you hope to accomplish? Um, so next season, I'll be eligible to work playoffs, I believe, because as a rookie, you can't work playoffs. And so, you know, you're graded a lot different your second year out than you are as a rookie. And so, 
this that's really going to be my test to let me know, you know, can I avoid that sophomore jinx? Like, do I really belong? Um, am I going to be able to hold my own? Can I get a playoff assignment? You know, is what you want to look for. Most importantly, you want to make sure I'm asked back, <laughs> you know, and that I'm not terminated, you know, that I get a contract when it comes back out in May and, you know, I can stay healthy. Well, I hope that they do ask you back. <laughs> no, for real, it's really great to, to see you out there. And like I said, to see somebody that looks like me, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. So, um, and then you represent Rochester, which is even more important. So, you know, go out there and kick butt. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. April Franklin is a reporter and host of Weekend Edition on WXXI. And that's it for Earshot. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, and give us a review. It helps other people find us. Send your feedback to earshot at wxxi.org and let us know what you think of the show. Find even more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.